0: Hi, welcome back to So Yellow, a weekly podcast about our experiences as female Asian Americans. I'm Cindy. And I'm Helen. For today's episode, we have on Aisha
1: Reyes, who will be sharing with us her experiences as a Pakistani-American poet and hybrid artist. Aisha's work has been published in many highly renowned literary magazines, including the Gulf Coast, and her video poem is currently on display in Pakistan's Contemporary Museum of Art. So, Aisha, can you give our listeners a brief introduction about yourself?
2: Yeah, of course. So, my name is Aisha. I am 26 this year, but, you know, I feel like 2020 should not have... (laughs) it should not have accounted. So, um... I am Pakistani, Uh, I grew up mostly, I've like both lived experience in Pakistan as well as in America. I grew up in in Lahore till I was 17, then I came uh, to America, yeah, so basically for my undergraduate, but now I have my family here too, so it's been like I was the first one to come to this country at a kind of like a pretty late age, (laughs) I suppose, um, as a young adult. I uh, went to Bennington College. I studied uh, visual arts, mostly animation and film, uh, and poetry. And I'm currently—it's um, going to be like seven-ish years now. This year, so uh, it's been—it's been a ride. Uh, and currently, I'm based in New York City, in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's my
0: little introduction. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah, thank you for being here today. Of course, my pleasure. So did you always know you wanted to do something creative or what led you to become an artist in the first place? Um,
2: I I felt like the creative part of me was always treated as like a hobby. Uh, that was what I was growing up. I was uh, being taught always by my teachers, especially, I guess, I've been to a very, like, you know, I grew up in Pakistan. So it's like going to school and everyone it's like by default, everyone's going to become a doctor. Everyone's going to become an engineer. It's just, like, if you're good at science, you're smart. If you're good at any other subject, you're not going to have a good future. And especially for, like, young girls there, there's, like, oh, it's okay. You can just pretty up, and then you will just marry rich. You don't even Mm -hmm. have to try that hard. You don't have to be smart. There's at least a backup for you. And I'm just like, hmm. So I feel like by default... it's like the system I was brought in and all of the like the the pressure of like just excelling in the sciences and the STEM and all of that, like never really made me think that I even was allowed or had the possibility of becoming a practicing artist or a poet or what does it even look like. I didn't really have that examples around me, everyone around me who was anything other than a doctor or engineer was felt like they made those choices because they could not get into med school (laughs) or (laughs) engineering because they were just didn't get the grades so it was almost like oh if you're not gonna get the grades you're gonna be like that person like you're gonna be like be an artist like are you really gonna live that way no one's gonna love you no one's gonna like marry like your life is gonna be a disaster Mm -hmm. so honestly like my conditioning in that way growing up was very much like You know, it wasn't even an option. So, Mm -hmm. most of my creative, um, I mean, by default, like all the classes I started taking and everything was just like science, science, bio, bio, pre med. It's like such an obvious thing. But if you don't make it pre med, then okay, you can become an engineer. If that doesn't work out, okay, computer science, okay. Mm -hmm. But then, like, it it gets like apparently worse and worse (laughs) from there. (laughs) Wow, what a, what a yeah. So, um but uh I think I was in high school and I was like it was such a pain to just like force myself to be like studying STEM all the time there and I used to treat myself by spending hours and like not sleeping the whole night just doing creative work I was really into making films so I used to force my friends to like um like <laughs> act for me or like something so it was very much kind of this ambitious um, zeal for, like, creative work. And then I think I got lucky for like, high school-wise that I found, like, some really good friends who kind of, like, started telling me, like, you know, it's like sometimes you just need one person or two people to even give you the idea, oh, you know, it's possible for you to go to film school, right? You know, you can do this too, right? You know, so I feel like they're, according to my parents, they're, like, my bad influence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I was, like, I actually started, like, considering all of that. And I kind of applied for, um like, art colleges and liberal arts schools and stuff like that, film schools here in the States. And, like, also, like, everywhere I could find a good school, Um and I got lucky in the process and I ended up going to a uh, liberal arts in Vermont and I did like a lot of like I ended up doing a lot of creative work uh but on the condition that I'll double major in comp sci <laughs> but oh, that didn't gosh. work out <laughs> you know <laughs> so it was like kind of like trying to like transition slowly out of the world but after my mm-hmm. freshman year I kind of dropped that major without telling anybody because that's what you do <laughs> when you grow you rebel majorly. <laughs> so yeah, so by the time I graduated I moved from film to poetry mostly and then I moved to New York City, uh, and I was I feel I was very lucky. I got, found some submerging emerging luck as a poet. I got some fellowships from the Asian writers workshop, Kundima and Brooklyn's poets. You know, I feel like met a lot of amazing asian americans asians like making amazing work very community-based work doing like really like healing work like real healing work like being real humans Mm -hmm. um and i i felt like this is truly i'm like so glad of whatever happened and this is truly my calling and it does. It's okay. I can trust the universe. They can give to give me like food on the table, a roof on my head. <laughs> so far, I'm okay. So until hopefully, I just have to rely on you know the spiritual whatever out there for it. So i yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. yes. I guess I always wanted to, but it took me a while to embrace it.
0: That's really awesome to hear. Like. I really resonate with you like studying STEM or like being forced to study STEM and then like wanting to do something more creative so I really like commend you for like taking that initiative to apply and chase after what you want.
2: I was just gonna say that it was definitely a process of sorts because it's like I was lying a lot (laughs) and I was just feeling like there was so much guilt. Mm -hmm. Everything that did not work out I was just like I deserve it because I'm such a bad person. I've been lying around. I'm selfish. I just want to do what I want. But but I feel like that's what young adult, teenage... I don't know. That age is so sensitive.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like it can really relate to yours. I feel like my story is kind of like flipped where I studied CS and then later on I also like majored in art but I didn't tell my parents about it. But I still couldn't imagine myself, I guess pursuing a career in art so i just like mostly focused on like a cs career path so yeah i it's like really amazing hearing that like it worked out for you i feel
2: like i understand where my parents as a you know now i'm 26 and i trying when i was looking for a job and like trying to just like get live in new york city and just i get i get it i get it like my parents are so like working class parents and like if you don't make something out of yourself in the system mm-hmm. the system is gonna like you have to help yourself like i understand them now but it was like but it's it's tough it's like i wish there was like a world where you can be a creative that is self-sufficient um mm-hmm. like my day job is in tech basically so that's how i am alive but it's just it's just like showcases not us i guess but it showcases like the the creative industry doesn't pay you and i wish in the future, the creative industry grows in a way that is actually paying their creatives a living, self-sufficient wage so you can actually live a life, too.
1: Yeah.
0: I hate how there's a stereotype that artists are always, like, starving and they can't support themselves. Like, why can't that be a career if you're passionate and you work hard towards it? It's just like any other job, right? I was just curious, like, how did your parents and family react after you told them? your little secret <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean it was like i feel like maybe because it it was a process it wasn't like sudden uh they saw me like kind of like do my homework really quickly and then like do like spend hours and hours just like making editing film or i feel like this saw or like writing a lot so i feel like maybe i like to think maybe that helped because they had a uh, like, they were prepared of some sort. Like, <laughs> if there will be, like, something. But at the same time, because it's, like, the systems we all live in. And my parents are, like, my mom's a doctor. My dad's an engineer. My older brother, mm-hmm. I have only one sibling. He's a doctor. He's in Cincinnati. He's so a Pete's doctor. And I'm just, like, the, the black sheep. So they didn't really... Yeah, so it was kind of, like, the. it was... I Yeah, I, I like to think, like, for them they treated all my hobbies as hobbies like i was treating them as hobbies too at that like when i was growing up so i when i started like kind of failing (laughs) in my stem subjects they kind of blamed me for not having the right company like just like ruining my future it was really intense my dad has a different reaction than my mom My dad, it gets, like, he withdraws. He doesn't really talk about it. So, like, I felt like I didn't see my dad for months. (laughs) Like, he's just, like, changed his, like, like, you know. It was, like, the silent treatment. But, um, which is, like, in some ways, like, you know, like, if you don't communicate, (laughs) there's just so much guilt. Like, there's just... Yeah, it was it was definitely very like um traumatic, I guess, when I reflect on it. My mom was very um she was really like she's very outspoken, straightforward, Asian mom. She's just like says whatever's on her mind. So she could definitely I think for her, I, I now that I reflect back, it wasn't just a career change. But for her her it was kind of like losing control over her daughter.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think her reactions now that I made peace with it, I feel like feeling Her reactions was mostly rooted from there and she like kind of like you know when I was applying to school she was like you're too dumb to get in you're never gonna get in so why even try why do you even bother why you're wasting your time you're wasting our application fees like our money your dad's money like you know like is you know so like there was just like a lot of like mean like basically Mm -hmm. very mean things she said Then I got in and I was I mean, this is, like, a really big incident that happened in our house. That has got in, I applied for my visa, like, you know, ready to go. I, my flight was the next day. She hit my passport. <laughs> so I oh my missed gosh. my flight. So it was a lot. So she basically did not want to leave me to go. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, I, I mean, it was a lot. It was, like, a lot of drama. So basically, like, for a lot of family. But I feel like now we all grew into the idea. And I think, I guess, maybe... Maybe it helped that I'm doing relatively well mm-hmm. in whatever the poetry industry means to do <laughs> relatively well in. So I think it has like, it has been like a good proof to her that I pursued what I loved and I'm finding some success in it. But at that moment, like the, the transitioning of like from going to from full STEM to dropping pre-med. And I say pre-med because in, high, in Pakistan, like after high school, you can go get into medical Directly, you don't do have to do an undergrad. And yeah, so like my event, I was super pre-med and then I kind of dropped like biology as a thing. And then, she, you know, so it was like slow, slow, slow disappointments that I feel like at the point when I was like, I might change my major to visual arts and poetry this year in my liberal arts college that didn't really do super majors, but I had to translate that to her. Um, I think she was just so... Disappoint. Like, like the, all the series of disappointment helped mm-hmm. not make that as a huge disappointment. But it definitely was not an easy process because I think they all worried about what I was going to do, how am I going to live my life. But I think parents, I'd like to think like maybe the distance and all of that time also helped them grow. Because now they're more like, just trust in the universe. I'm not worried about you. They're like, I think my parents have reached the point this year, especially in 2020, I think, that they're like, they're just like, you know, I I'm not going to worry about you anymore. We're just going to mm-hmm. trust what's out there to take care of you now. I'm just like... <laughs>
0: cool okay i i trust that
2: thing too whatever
0: that is, so. <laughs> wow thank you so much for sharing that i i feel like a lot of people can resonate with your story like that absence of acceptance from their parents and i can tell like just from you telling your story that you're a very strong person like i feel like that's like a really hard thing to go through like i can't even imagine
1: yeah, like the things like your mom said, I feel like it probably brought on a lot of guilt. So were you able to like, how were you able to like, get through that? And like, I guess, mend your relationship <laughs> with your family?
2: Yeah, I think it was it took me, I mean, it's still like that. I don't want to be like, now it's all happy ending. Yeah, I mean, especially I think when you were what, like 17, 18, going off to college, and I guess like, to another country, all that like distance you don't I didn't have a lot of like family support when I came to America either it was just Mm -hmm. me and like my college and the friends I made but I think I don't know I that's a great question um sometimes I feel like as a family like my relationship with them has improved a lot which it has but then there would be like one or two incidents that would happen and I'd be like damn like this is back back to at high school or like I feel like or how I would react to them like tantrums or just like not eating for like three days like or something like just slam my door like not talk Uh to them (laughs) or like I feel like I would also I'm like kind of shocked that you know like it's like it's a lot like you were like am I still that person have I not grown am I a bad person like I'm actually pretty positive with like you know with my friends and I'm pretty like try to be a good person you know like try to Mm -hmm. like act out all the whatever like good lessons or be honest or whatever you know what i mean but why am i such a bad person in front of my parents so i feel like it's just like a lot of like realizing that you know good actions if i'm good to my parents in some way maybe i will have better consequences like action like reaction just like counseling myself that don't take it too personally your parents don't have the same like the internet to fall onto. they didn't have any like foundation to learn and have self-growth even the idea of like going into therapy to develop yourself is like for them is like what is that doesn't like you go to therapy because you have schizophrenia or something like you know like something really big and i'm just like so i feel like i try to be very very forgiving but i think it's easier to say this because i'm like thousands of miles apart um it's like there's a lot of distance And I say this because I thought like my uh, family, like we are like perfect. And I actually ended up spending like six to seven months in Pakistan thanks to the pandemic in last year. And yeah, it was definitely had the same. I was like, I was really definitely transported back to my high school. And there was a lot of like things that were said that shouldn't have been said. A lot of marriage talk, lots of like, you know, crazy what are you doing with your life? Kind of conversations, which is just a lot of pressure because I feel like they don't get it. Like boomer, boomers. I like <laughs> the way you were living your life in your twenties is so different. It's like it's just doesn't. It's not possible for us to live that life like systematically. So I mean, it's definitely hard. Um, I think the guilt part was, has been like, mean well, well said, honestly, both of you, because I I think the guilt was definitely caused a lot of mental issue, health issues mm-hmm. for me and just like not allowing like I definitely every time something good happened to me a happy thing I would spoil it because of the like purposely intentionally spoil it because I felt like I didn't deserve to be happy because I did all of these t- I have disappointed the world to be there so I'm so selfish so I feel like so if a good thing happened like even like small joy I was able it wasn't able to be happy at, about it I definitely I intentionally spoiled it by I could not have done better or I don't like you know like stuff like that kind of dialogue and I think mm-hmm. that added to my personality like my friends were just like you you're so critical all the time you're just too analytic like just take it easy just be loose and like can't you know, be happy just you know this is a good thing celebrate it you know and Mm -hmm. i think i it helped get there like you know to towards a more positive and self-loving forgiving part to me thanks to again like the community i met here in new york like all the other like you know seeing all the other asian american creatives trying to do their thing but trying to find like permission from something else or someone else or even no but the ourselves is like the last place we ask I think but I think it, it helps when you're in a community because it's like you're almost giving each other permission to do it and it, it were it, it helped a lot uh, and I think now I feel like I'm in a place and thanks to like actually living with my parents as an adult 2020 and having like major <laughs> i realized that like they're not living in guilt so <laughs> mm-hmm. why am i the one who's like not allowing myself to be 100 percent happy if a happy thing does happen to me and why am i not positive i I think positive is a weird word because it's such a you know like it's a, almost like a trend marketing thing now. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like why am i not like it's a beautiful day i should embrace it kind of a mindset instead before i was like you know i don't like my mom so far away she has a cold i don't deserve to eat today like you know that was the Mm -hmm. terrible unhealthy mindset i sadly developed over the years while i was here but i think it has definitely like gotten better i think guilt is a very tough emotion i don't know how people just get rid of it it is the most useless emotion you have to really just like Work at it and like change the, I don't know, change the perception of it yourself. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a work in progress because even now like I wouldn't say like I'm like totally free and guiltless. Like it's all about like whatever event happens or whatever someone says something to me. You know, it's like a trigger. You just need a trigger to go back into that loop. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know if I recovered fully, <laughs> but I definitely know my parents, and my family don't really have these conflicting guilt like these emotions. About these things for them, it was like a thing that happened. They moved on, you know, whatever. And now they have different expectations. So I'm just, I think that realizing that, I was, I was like, I sat down with myself and I was like, wow, I spent all these years feeling bad about not being far away or doing what I wanted or all of that, but they're like kind of totally okay. (laughs) Like their, their whole perceptions is totally different. They they don't think or work like that. So that was pretty useless of me of whatever i was feeling so it's really complicated i think everyone is i think like every asian every asian american every woman like kind of goes through it and they're just like you have to just make your own little piece in your own corner of your heart i don't know it's really tough
0: Wow, I I feel like everything you're saying, like, it just hits home. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, I really relate to what you were talking about, so I just want to let you know that you're not alone. And when you said, like, you felt like you didn't deserve to be happy, that just, like, broke my heart. Like, you deserve to be happy. Like, everyone deserves to be happy. Thank you. I think so, too. (laughs) But (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot of
1: Asian Americans, like... Kind of sad, but like our parents. I don't know if they do it intentionally, but they use guilt as a way to like get you to do things that they want. And I feel like like when you tell yourself these things, like "oh, you don't deserve to be happy," it's like kind of like your parents' dialogue, like playing on your head. Yeah, so I think like it's good that you've surrounded yourself with like supportive people and able to like get better. I think
2: finding the family outside of like the conventional idea of family, community basically good good people (laughs) good friends Uh, having healthy conversations I think has helped a lot in my own like way of being and thinking and just I think I've borrowed the strength of others to help me so it Mm -hmm. it has really yeah I mean even now I feel like you relating to what I've said has is endorsing like yeah it's it's difficult (laughs) definitely but we, yeah we have to be there for each other like yes yeah, so.
1: yeah one thing I wanted to ask about like all of these experiences you've gone through and then I was like watching some of your video poems are they based off of like your life true life experiences
2: um definitely I feel like it depends on which ones you watched but most of them I f- all my work is definitely autobiographical maybe like the work I was like the writing I was doing in like college I felt like I didn't want to bring my Asianness to this white spaces so I used to just like write like imagine like whatever like baseball like, I don't know like, so, so. <laughs> so i don't know what i just assumed like this is what my, my white professor likes so i was just like right about baseball i don't know
0: so, But after what's the like... farthest thing from my culture baseball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i
2: was just like yeah i mean he liked he he was just you know but it was it, i felt like it was like again protection because i didn't want this like all this whiteness to be like exoticize like mm-hmm. just like I feel like even if you're normally talking about like a normal thing they're just like take it as like oh my god exotic <laughs> just, <no, laughs> just, just talk about like chai or like tea like what is the big deal <laughs> <laughs> sorry it wasn't coffee i don't know <laughs> so, so it's just like it was just like you know you get too conscious too but mm-hmm. i think other than like that period in my college where i was just trying to <laughs> run away like artistically like from the white gaze i think uh, everything else has always been autobiographical and i think my work really like serves as a point of reflection of like my childhood and myself and the life I did live and I do feel like I <laughs> I like this is the only place like through my work I can this is the only place I can really like reflect on how I've lived or like the kind of childhood I've had because it's very unconventional I moved a lot my dad was a like an engineer in the military in Pakistan so we just moved a lot so. I'm from a very small family for an Asian family. It's like just my parents, my brother. So I feel like it's just like have been one unconventionality to the other and finding people to relate to those experiences has been. So like I don't think I've really met, met somebody with the same narrative as mine. So I don't really think that's, you know. So I feel like my work in that way really helps me be my companion in how how and like who i am and what it what does how maybe like moving a lot is like this is why maybe i'm the way i am right now because maybe i moved a lot so i feel like even these like having these spaces to reflect and my work has helped me a lot so it definitely has like major significant autobiographical notions and sometimes I feel like it's like you know wishful thinking so it goes into like oh if wishfully if I wish my life did not, not in my life, but like that event did not turn out the life way, and way, in a very boring, mundane way. Maybe it could have been in that fun way. Maybe it's like autobiographical, but maybe
1: a little exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found myself like, like I'll finish watching it and then I would like keep wanting to rewatch it because like, I feel like every time I noticed something that was different. And then, yeah, I in one of your video poems, you talked about how you lived in like 19 different houses and like 13 yeah. cities. Like, that's, like, crazy. Like, I've only lived, in like, one town my whole life. Like, (laughs) like, what was that like?
2: It was, I think, I mean, I grew up, like, as an, I think I'm definitely an extrovert, and Mm -hmm. I get attached to people really quickly. And so I remember, like, growing up, like, I used to just get attached to friends and people and places and things, and then you're, like, what, like, you're, like, eight-year-old, seven-year-old, whatever. (laughs) So I feel Mm -hmm. like then my, you know, my parents would start packing again, like put everything in card boxes and like move to another city. And then it was new school, new spaces. And I feel like that kind of, I felt like I wasn't really able to know what my nature is, what my personality was, like what I was born with. That was me until I kind of grew up in my 20s. (laughs) Because like just saying like, oh, I'm actually an extrovert. is such a big revelation to me because I grew up being on my own or like having all these introverted like reading and like you know like learning to enjoy my time with myself because all that change is definitely it's even as a child I feel like it's and every city has its own culture as well like (laughs) um, every school has its own culture like all the students in that my classrooms were so different from another classroom so it's never really like yeah finding like like having some people to talk to versus like finding friends is a totally different process and i felt like it was definitely very a very lonely in some ways childhood and also i feel like sometimes like the only because my homes were changing the people were changing the only idea of home the the stability was just like my parents and my older brother so it's like family immediate family and this is why i feel like my sense of home isn't a place or any like or a house, like mm-hmm. I think maybe it has, but it's definitely like very like when people ask, What is home? Where is home? i just like, Oh, I have family in America, so I guess it's America, but I also have some like my family in Pakistan, so I guess it's both. So it's like, but it's not like, Oh, I was born there and I lived there, it's home, you know, it's like, but it is at the same time. But I also like most of my self-development my major self-development as a human being happened in, a, in the American landscape so I feel like this place has it's been hard obviously but it has given me all these lessons and developed me as a human being and made me realize that oh I'm actually this or I actually like people I don't want to spend my <laughs> Saturday <laughs> afternoon <laughs> reading like why did I used to do that and I think it's because like I didn't have any other choice So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's both, like, these realizations. um, This is why I feel like it's so, like, making work or writing about it or making video, like, anything about it, like, made me come to these realizations of myself, which I feel like maybe Mm -hmm. others just, like, know when they're growing up or they're encouraged to be, like, sporty or whatever. But Mm -hmm. for me, it was like, my my mom, because she was a doctor, she was also never around. My dad was... um, you know, dads, like, Asian dads, like, where are you? So, I don't know what you're doing, but... So, it was just me and my older brother, and, like, we had, like, weird pets, too, because my parents were, like, no duck cats or dogs. It's just but You can have birds. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, oh, like or just, like, really strange, like, unconventional stuff that I feel like when I talk about it with people in real life, they're just, like really like you're making it up and I'm just like I, no no unfortunately <laughs> I wish I was but no, yeah so I think yeah I do yeah it's definitely it's been it's adventurous and I'm really grateful for it but I, I feel like it took me a while to change that narrative to something positive too but mm-hmm. I definitely when I'm having a hard time currently like stability wise I'm just like 2020 was really hard because I'm like you know I like people. I, like, I, I used to do like day trips to Philly or something like to get mm-hmm. on a greyhound, like go somewhere for a day because I need to be like I find joy in that movement. and not being able to do like that in 2020 and doing quarantine just made me get in touch with my childhood me where I was also like just trying to spend time with myself, like quality time with myself it was really hard like definitely in the beginning because of that transition and also like getting in touch with your inner child like that when the inner child wasn't really like the happiest <laughs> like playful like very like mm-hmm. that my my childhood self was very quiet and introverted and just like confused I was just like mm, what's going on kind of like you know uh, scared like didn't know what was basically happening didn't get the nurturing she needed um So, like, it was really, like, a fragile place to be. But I think, again, it's so, it was hard, but it was so essential because then I was able to make some peace with it. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely such such a process of sorts. Like, I think moving definitely had a huge impact on me as a person. And it definitely made me braver, too. But it also made me always think, like, if I meet a new person, I'm just like, it's gonna end <laughs> i can already see the ending like and it's i feel like that's I'm like down to like being a melancholic
1: person all the time because of that mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting because like, i feel like all the stuff you're telling me right now i've like seen like snippets of it in your artwork and so it's like really cool i wanted to ask about your paintings i think it's called faces of dissociation yeah I feel like the things they're telling me right now—it like reminds me of that. Do you want to talk more about those paintings?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think again, I think again, it's like so many layers to a life lived. Like I think everyone has that, but maybe because, like I make art about it, that I always feel like it always showcases that I have so much, <laughs> so much material. But yeah, I, I think like the idea of dissociating, yeah, it. <laughs> Yeah, the paintings, is, uh, they're, like, abstract portraits of sorts. And they kind of reflect that moments or very concrete memories of where I did dissociate and what did I dissociate into or the feeling of, like, splitting or, like, having, like, several bodies or several imagined bodies in a, in a room looking at you or something of that sort. It's a very, like... um I wouldn't I wouldn't want to because I wasn't diagnosed with it properly so I wouldn't want to like call it like a dissociative disorder on my own but it's definitely like the symptoms of it is like that and sometimes like being in therapy and stuff like acknowledging that and um it's like every <laughs> again like I've had so much movement so I've had many therapists so I kind of stopped doing therapy because I was just like this is actually not helping me right now <laughs> cuz mm-hmm. like too much change is not good with these kind of like wonderful uh conversations but like every therapist has like different opinions of it and the most healthiest one I find is like you know if it's um it's if if it's not coming into like if you're able to live your life and that's okay (laughs) the idea of normal is different but um yeah with, with these I think the paintings they're really new work I made them during quarantine in 2020 so I felt like I was really reflecting on all the split lives I've lived and the splits are like the I feel like again with movement and choices when I was younger it wasn't there wasn't much choice but when I got older there was there's choice right like do I need to should I stay in New York should I go back home like like the choice is in my hands now and I feel like before I make any choice it's like I have split my life into two paths like the what did I do and what if I did that So I feel like the the dissociations like have really like been a huge part of my whole experience of being like even when I was very young like I got when I got started getting into film I used to imagine like using your imagination but to a degree that you can actually like see another split body across the room like filming you or like you filming like imagining like what what these like long shot shots or like these people would look like on camera, you know? So, the like it really was like almost like a creative tool, but it did have like a really bad effect. I mean, again, everything is so environmental. Uh like in when I, in Vermont in college, it was because I went to a small town college. It was just so it was so hard because I was like splitting in really unhealthy ways. Uh, I was, like, trying to, like, <laughs> I got, like, like sh- very short hair and, like, I um, started wearing black and I love color and I love long hair. So, it wasn't mm-hmm. really being true to myself, but because it was such a process, you know, I think, like, you just, as a young person, even if those things are not, like, subcon like, these, even if they're not, like, intentional, it's still happening. It's, like, a subconscious way of adaptation or camouflage or protection. And like just like writing about all of these like stuff like baseball. <laughs> and I don't know baseball like nothing about baseball. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> I mean, like, so I don't know stuff anything about baseball basically, but I used to write about baseball like, mm-hmm. and like just like the just so I think I was ended up splitting into these ideas of white, young, rich <laughs> teenagers or like youth like people the idea of living up your youth but in a very white very wide like movie kind of like hollywood kind of like act like this like even the drug culture like it's totally like all doing all basically all these unhealthy terrible things for yourself but being like this is youth <laughs> this is fun <laughs> like having this loop of lying to yourself so i feel like those that, those experiences of my dissociation were very very unhealthy and that had really worse consequences that I, I got really depressed and i was never happy again with myself and i was i was like oh i'm embracing the western culture but i'm unable to let go of my Asian-ness because people I will never be able to let like you know and what does that mean like because clearly in this little town that is my bubble basically my world my Asianness is is what's becoming an obstacle in everything I do and in my trying to make friends and I didn't and you know who am I like I'm not I have an accent, like, but, you know, like, you know, like, just like a loop of just crazy, like, my hair is not good enough. I should wear, like, lots of red lipstick. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, so this, like, little things so. of like even like how to dress yourself and like what is cool like the word cool was just thrown out everywhere like what an adjective but it's like yeah but like you know people are catty as hell it's just like (laughs) oh like college like school or just like Mm -hmm. all of that or like white culture it's just it's it's a lot um i feel like it's so it's too much you can't yeah you can whatever you do to survive or adapt i feel like if you're a POC or a woman, like, an Asian at this point, like, you can't not just shed your skin and, like, camouflage completely. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was really difficult, and I felt like me trying to do that subconsciously, intentionally, in any way, like, gave me, like, a lot of, like, worse consequences. Like, I had moments, uh, I had, like, huge, huge use, like, which when me, led me to therapy was, like, I couldn't, like, associate anymore. all i did was dissociate before it was just like film make a film dissociate (laughs) and then back to normal life but Mm -hmm. at that moment i felt like for many years i was just dissociating and i was not like grounded i didn't feel like i couldn't feel my body even though i was touching it there were moments like a lot of like strange experiences that were happening uh like a lot of out of body experiences so i feel like when i sat down after But then when I graduated, it was hard. But it got better and better. And I healed from all of that slowly. Like, oh, I lived without a mirror for two years after I graduated because the mirror was a trigger. Every time I looked at myself, I felt like, oh, my, the mirror, the person in the mirror, this is my first mirror after, like, two, three years. So the one that you can see in the background. So Mm -hmm. I feel like just, like, so, it was just, like, a lot of, like, mental health, like, major mental health issues that I had to, like, heal from and, like, get therapy and, like, con- condition. Um, and I think, like, when I finally, in 2020, when things just literally, like, there was still no stimuli and I was at home in my
1: yeah. bedroom
2: and I was avoiding my parents and I had no friends in Pakistan anymore and, you know, so just, like, spending a lot of, like, time with myself, it was just really hard. Um but I think it ended up like really helpful because I was able to reflect on what the hell was all of that, that what is dissociation even and why, like, why was the mirror a triggering thing for me and how did it happen? Was it really like, like college or like you can, you know, it's like depression. I, I read this article recently, like how like the Western medicine is like takes depression as like an illness when in some cultures depression is actually like like your body doing you a favor or something like it was a more like different and positive aspect of your body being like freaking sleep and slow down and like you know like move away from all the stimuli that's actually making you so it's like a protection spell and it's just like it was really really interesting reading that kind of so just like thinking about like mental illness yes but how much of it is like environmental and how the idea of what is normal and what is not normal is another thing. And just having dissociation as a thing that happens. But if it's not happening in a positive way, even like it's like, it's just, it's so many layers. And I felt like these paintings really, really captures that. And like, I think it really helped me understand as well what was happening.
0: Wow that was so moving like I feel like it <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a lot I feel mean, is this interview too much <laughs> no, no 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 it's perfect uh, I feel like at face value when people see your paintings it's like just like beautiful art but then hearing your story behind it and like what the meaning is and what inspired you to create that is very powerful so thank you for sharing that yeah,
2: thank you for uh, creating this, such a nice space that I'm able to talk about it too so
0: thank you Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was just wondering, like, what do you want people to get out of your work? Like, when they see it, hear it, view it.
2: I feel like that's a great question. I think maybe my biggest dream and hope would be like you're not alone. I mean, whatever you're going. I mean, this is why maybe I tried to be really raw in all of my work because I I wonder like if I had seen and experience that. When in my life whenever I had a hard time or whatever you know if and if I saw someone being like totally vulnerable and honest I w- it would have been done me so much good so I feel like I try to be strong about being really open and be vulnerable most of the time so I feel like other people are like it's like the idea of permission like you can be too it's you're not alone if you're feeling this way it's like there's also somebody, I don't know about everybody, but like there's also somebody across the room who feels this way too. So you're permitted, like, to feel this way. So I like that's really my hope for like people looking at my work or reading my work. I don't like the idea of like me and you like me and the other. I think a lot of like in the artistic creative field In the literature, like you know, just the concept of this, like we go to a reading and there's somebody on the stage and there's then there's all these people away from the stage and I'm just like why, this is already like like me and the other like I'm special than you because I'm on the stage but it's like no one really like obviously think that that way but I feel like subconsciously there are people in the crowd who are like wow this she is a writer or she is a poet because this is how i used to feel i'm not this and i'm just like but basically i am kind of like you because we're basically world writing i'm just on the stage right now which so i feel like i started thinking about these i'm like i got really sensitive about these things after like the whole call co- my college experience where i was so so concretely othered that after i graduated I, i'm always thinking about like how can we fix these stupid conventional normalized things and make everything more inclusive and more of a human experience i guess so at least that's my agency behind all kinds of work which is can be a little in conflict because my work is so about myself (laughs) so so i feel like it's both like a selfish act but self i don't know it's just like but the intention or the 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 I think the good intention behind trying to find community and helping the community in any way, is always like my wish. So if if my readers or my viewers are able to find some kind of something in it, I'm like I that that makes me the happiest person in the world. But you know. Can't force
0: no, I, <laughs> I, I love that. Like I feel like Helen and I we started this podcast to do exactly that. Like share stories and make people feel like they're not alone and um I, I think your vulnerability is very like commendable. Like you're so raw and real. So like thank you, thank you for sharing all your stories. Thank
1: you.
2: Yeah. I appreciate
0: it.
1: And I feel like when I'm watching like your video poems, even though it's like an autobiography, I feel like I can still relate to a lot of your words. So yeah, it's not like selfish at all. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you. That's really kind. Yeah. And again, I feel like it's, it's, it's not only, it's again, it's environmental. So me being able to talk about these things is not just coming from me. I think it's also the space you guys are creating and the spaces that most sort of like a lot of amazing Asian activists and creatives are trying to create. Because I, again, I wasn't like this. I wasn't very open and vulnerable as a child because I wasn't given that environment. And when I went to Pakistan, I felt like my personality was changing again because, you know, adapting to the environment. So I was getting more and more like a (laughs) loner. And definitely in college too, because there was just so much whiteness. I wasn't vulnerable either. Like I wasn't. So it was just, I feel like it's a lot about... um, it's a lot about like environment like finding yourself and like what's compatible with who you want to be because it really helps and i think space is like i feel like i just like i don't know you guys basically right we just had an email exchange but mm-hmm. here i am like talking so openly and vulnerably to you because i feel so safe
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it, I, yeah so i feel like it's community is everything in so many ways so
1: thank yeah. you <laughs> Oh, thank you for being so vulnerable. <laughs> I feel like you've given us a lot to think about. <laughs> and like I'm sure our listeners will too. And I think we've almost reached the one hour mark. So I don't want to keep you waiting for too long. But um, one thing I wanted to ask was, like, how can people like support artists like you?
2: Oh, that's a wonderful question. I think showing up <laughs> to what we are trying to do is people think like oh i don't want to go to the event oh i don't want to go to the zoom and feel like even if you like enter the zoom as just like muted and video off it's like we see you it's like someone showed up <laughs> it costs no money <laughs> just like time a little bit you know it's like you're not asking begging you to like buy our books and art like i mean it's nice when people do that but basically it's like showing up to what your what the creative world like especially with the emerging crowd showing up is a huge thing and also i think writing that email or a, a, a dm of like appreciating someone's work even if you know you saw them on instagram you've been following for them for a while and just oh the that poem you read resonated with me in, in this way like it's amazing it's like you know we're also like trying to do work and creative work and you are putting ourselves on the up out there all the time, but it's such a lonely process. Creative work is a lonely thing, um, so we never really know who's if we are actually being read or seen. So these little like communication really makes us like it's like literally it will literally make most of my artists like even my, my like <laughs> my day like my week. It's like every time mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time, I will think about that comment. And I'll keep doing it. So I think I wish there was more like support like that. Like just people, just strangers, like reaching out and like saying this thank you for your work or this poem that, you know, it's good. And sometimes I do get like very, very rarely like DMs like that. Like from, I feel like from friends is different because it's like there's already like friendship happening. Mm-hmm. But with like strangers just reaching out like that, it's really, you're like, wow wow there's impact (laughs) so so basically i think i i also feel like support can be like you know give me money or give me this like opportunity but it can definitely that's just also you know not everyone can afford to buy a lot of stuff all the time and all of that but words are free (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and like support is like it's like there's so many other ways to like support somebody than just like material wise
0: yeah i know what you mean like sometimes the s- littlest things can go the far- what is it the farthest, farthest. Th- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah
2: sometimes somebody like See, like I will give you like a very silly example that is not about creative work, but I'm like really conscious of my hands because my palms <laughs> are bigger than my fingers, so I've always been like oh, my hands, my hands. But like once, like a, like it was like a a friend, uh, friends was there, like a stranger basically. And that person was just like, you have you have really beautiful hands. They're so cute. I've never seen. And I was just like, so healing. Like, I've never thought about awkward about my hands ever again. Like, oh <laughs> just like I was just like, yeah, these hands are kind of cute. Yeah, You know, like, I have a better, healthier. <laughs> I, I, I feel this is what I mean, like, so silly. So silly. But at the same time, you don't realize, like, sometimes it helps a lot. Like, our own perception yeah. of, like. It's such a silly thing again. I feel like I'm feeling silly even giving this example or feeling oh, this no, way. But it's like, so valid. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: yeah. That and that person has no idea the kind of impact he had on you.
2: Yeah. And you didn't ask. Usually I'm just like, What do you think of my ads? <laughs> and, and my friends are being my friends, they're like, I should don't be silly. They're like fine, you know? But a stranger just saying something like that, you're just like, Yeah, okay. I don't know, I'm gonna have like, so silly, but so important and healing and it makes such a huge difference. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's amazing. Validation. <laughs> <laughs> well that's it for this week's episode of So Yellow. We hope you guys enjoyed hearing about Aisha's work and background. So Aisha, where can people find you and your work at online?
2: First, I had so much fun being on here. So thank you so much again for creating this space. You guys can definitely find me anywhere on the internet because my name is my username at this point. My website is uh, my full name, AishaRace and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Skunk Babe Poet. <laughs> so, um, which I. I, which I felt like was my identity in college, but I embraced it even after.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh,
2: and yeah, basically, if there is anything, if you want to like look at into my work and want to read my poems and stuff, my website has a huge catalog of all of it. And I do want to plug in... Even though it's kind of far, but please always remember that my book is my first book ever is coming out next year. It's called "Coining a Wishing Tower." It's a it's all these prose experimental poems about just growing up in Pakistan, and there are and the story is being told through the characters of House Mouse, Cat, <laughs> Godfish, the Moon. <laughs> so. It is a pretty experimental, poetic work, and it's coming out from Platypus Press in March 2022, the golden year where our life will pick up. <laughs> <So>. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so, yes. Again, thank you for everyone listening in. Thank you, Cindy and Helen. <laughs>
1: No, thank you. I also just want to add congrats on winning the Broken River Prize Award for that book. That's amazing. <laughs> and you can find So Yellow on social media platforms at So Yellow. And if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love it if you left a rating or review. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of our future episodes. Until next time. Bye. bye.